Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. I'm Matt Deaton. On the show today, Rupert's gone and Lachlan wins succession. We look back over seven decades of Murdoch Senior's media empire. Uh, plus, uh, the twisted relationship the media has with Russell Brand from Saxgate to Dispatches. Will broadcasters ever learn lessons? Also on the programme, the media decamp to Cambridge for their annual RTS get-together. We tell you all you need to know. And why are local newsrooms striking? All that plus in the media quiz, we crunch the numbers. That's all coming up in this edition of the Media Podcast. In the news this week, Elon Musk wants to charge users of X, according to an unusually well-prepared statement to the press this week. He claims a small monthly fee will put most bots and fake accounts out of business. But will it also do the same thing to his platform? And Stephen Fry may be regretting how he lent his voice to the Harry Potter audiobooks, as the very long sample text has been used to deep fake his voice. On the upside, it might save him a few hours in the same to his voiceover booth. Now, joining me from the London podcast studios are two professionals, always available for voiceover work. Uh, first, we have uh, Pop Bitches' Chris Lockery. Hi, Chris. Hello. Uh, excellent. That sounds <laughs> yeah, really good. I'm not sure I'm that bad. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so, Pop Bitch has been uh, emailing gossip uh, to hundreds of thousands of people uh, for years and years. Why mm. hasn't it ever been sued? Why is it still going? A combination of things. Uh, smart lawyers. Uh <laughs> Uh, a very inventive English language and uh, I think generally being smart about what our sources about what we say what we mm. don't say what we keep back um, and I think yeah I think we're there's sort of managed recklessness to it I think we <laughs> seem a lot more um, pressing than we are but mm. it's, it's all quite considered so um, people want to uh, enjoy gossip because mm. gossip can be very malicious you want to make sure that everybody sort of feels you've got kind of a responsibility to make sure that you aren't making people party to something that they feel tawdry by touching. Or you just want to walk the line where it's, you know, the details are just juicy enough. I love Uh, a bit of managed recklessness. I'm going to remember (laughs) remember that line. Um, uh, We'll talk about Russell Brand in a bit, but uh, I was thinking about other uh, other people in a bit of trouble. Obviously, Dan Wooden's been covered a lot by mm-hmm. uh, byline, byline Times. Um, has all those stories been a sort of a long time coming? Have you, have you had lots of those bubble into the, the pot pitch inbox? I mean, this has been a big, big year for a lot of that sort of stuff. There's been a lot of stories that have been kind of years in the making, mm. or certainly years in the whispers, um, that have all come to light. There's been a bit of a domino effect, I think. The same way we sort of saw with the Me Too era in... Mm. 2018, just one after the other, people building up. I think Dan Wooten, um, you know, made a bit of a rod for his own back in going so hard on the Philip Schofield story because I think a lot of people felt um, it was hard to get people to talk on the record about that sort of thing. 
um, and then I think the um, sort of brass neck to to pontificate so loudly and violently about it all uh, just meant that people who had been wavering as to whether or not to kind of break cover and talk decided actually you know what I have a story about this and I'm going to share it now uh, so yeah and next to Chris uh, welcome back Charlotte Tobitz from the Press Gazette hi Charlotte hello Matt uh, another week another set of Ofcom complaints for GB News um, did you see the host Bev Turner's outburst on the channel a little row that she had I've never seen anything quite like it that <laughs> between two co-presenters mm. on air it was remarkable and um What's interesting in particular is that um, since then, uh, the uh, chair of the Culture Media Sport Committee wrote to GB News' CEO to say, um, kind of, mm, this undermines your perception of due impartiality. And he has written back to say, well, actually, we were really impartial because we had two people from completely opposite sides of the argument. So, um uh, it's super, but um, I mean, they, their spat kind of continued on Twitter. So, um, and people suggesting, you know, if they're that um, hostile towards each other, can their kind of on-air relationship continue? But you know, so far, it is. But probably GB News thinks that dynamic works quite well. Uh, yeah, well, it's interesting. And, and Talk TV have a new breakfast show starting, and they're kind of going for a sort of left-right uh, mix to try and generate that uh, uh, that sort of little battle every morning. Um, I mean, it was interesting, actually, speaking about um, uh, GB News, uh, Angelos Frangiopoulos, he's the CEO there, uh, when talking about Dan Wooten, he said that he wasn't going to launch an investigation and that they are monitoring serious allegations about the presenter, but none of the allegations have been admitted or proved by an independent body. Um, it sounds like he's sort of outsourcing uh, the investigation, trying to keep it off his TV channel. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't... It just sounds like a fancy way of saying I'm not going to do anything about it, mm. which I suppose is his prerogative. Hard to defend. I don't think the story's going anywhere, so... Well, a story that's just broken uh, is about Rupert Murdoch uh, stepping back uh, from uh, Fox and News. Uh, he's going to become chairman... Uh, uh, I've got to get this right. He's going to become chairman... Emeritus, uh, which sort of means he's still knocking around but not doing a lot of things day to day. That goes to Lachlan. Um, I mean, Rupert's been around for a long time. Uh, seven, it's probably that sort of 60, 70 years of, uh, of activity. Uh, what do you think his greatest hits are over, over that time, Charlotte? Oh, blimey. Well, um, I was rereading <laughs> an interview um, that we had with him on Press Gazette back in 2005. And he said that, I mean, obviously this was a while ago, but he. Uh, Rupert thought that his legacy was the whopping dispute with, um, with mm. the unions that kind of moved all of the production from Fleet Street to Wapping and was a major row. And um, he sort of said, well, that's, you know, that changed the industry and that's kind of all my legacy and it wouldn't have happened otherwise and blah, blah, blah. Um, so um, that's what he thought. Um, we definitely um, had ink running through his veins. Didn't he obviously became a ran TV networks, movie studios as well. But it, it was really the, the, the press that got him excited. I mean, yeah, before he kind of started on running everything, he was a, you know, sub editor and kind of that was where he got his first taste of news. And you can tell, like, it's always clear that he was passionate about titles like The Sun and The Times and The New York Post. Um, you know, and that's why there's always been stories about or oh, how involved is he in their editorial decisions. And it's because he's clearly like really passionate about it still. And that's why he's kept going, even though he's 92 now. And, um, 
yes, almost 70, I think it was 1954 that he first um, sort of took on papers in Australia um, and then obviously built up the empire since, had a massive impact um, on kind of this opinionated talk broadcasting um, because, you know, we know most recently talk TV in the UK, but obviously Fox News in the US and Sky News Australia, we sometimes forget about Mm. over here, but that's kind of the same deal and massive over there. Uh, I mean, Chris, Lachlan's taken over. Is Mm. he just a chip off the old block? Well, it's the he was always the heir apparent, wasn't he? I think um, has he won the succession? This is it seems kind of boring now. As a result, we've had four years of this, and the, the you know the the coverage uh, there was you know a great um, piece in Vanity Fair a few months mm. ago, the Gabriel Sherman piece about how dramatic and crazy it all been with all the you know the previously unreported details about the extent of his injuries and what happened on that yacht when he knocked his head and. Yeah, and so just to hand over to Lachlan um, does feel slightly unsatisfying. <laughs> you know, a couple of hours after yes. having heard the news, I think, oh, was that what we've been building to? 70 years of um, of this sort of thing. I was, uh, I was reading a little bit online today, and they are saying, you know, Lachlan may be in charge now. Rupert still is sort of the main shareholder. Um, and obviously the, his family own big chunks of that business. And, yeah. and when he isn't around, uh, that will probably kick off the real succession of that business. Yeah, I think there's certainly among the kids, there's a bit of a kind of Lachlan and the others dynamic building, which um, again, yes, much like succession. But <laughs> I think, you know, people like James, uh, you know, I don't know how, how involved Prue is, but Liz as well, just having an idea, they kind of want to be rid of some of the more toxic elements mm. of the um, the empire. Uh, I mean, sort they... of sell it off or just shut them down. And I think Lachlan is a, you know, continuity continuity keith yes absolutely uh well th- we mentioned it earlier obviously one of the big stories this week uh, continues to be uh, russell brand uh, post the expose and dispatches in the times and the sunday times um brand has denied all the charges put to him uh, on his youtube channel which he got out before the uh, documentary aired um charlotte how have broadcasters addressed the reaction from the public so far so bbc and channel four both seem really on it tim davy and alex mahon um have both kind of spoken about it at the RTS Cambridge convention and said yes you know we take this really seriously we're um they've pulled a lot of stuff which um I was surprised by how quickly that happened a lot of um content involving Russell Brown on both by both channels um has has come down from online um I guess we'll have to wait and see whether that ever reappears or or maybe they'll do more editing and put other things back up I think that's still unclear and I think that is a question of kind of for future um like potential other allegations and investigations whether you should erase stuff rather Mm. than maybe put some sort of uh, i think it's easier with like a a website article because maybe you could just put something at the top saying since this was published Mm. this has come to light i guess it's different for a whole episode of tv but i do think that's an interesting question of kind of the public record of content does it need a a, like a a person uh, on before the program going uh, this re- represents different times when we were all idiots and couldn't see what was in, in front of our face i mean <laughs> maybe that's kind of what they're doing for like things on disney plus for yes. example when something's a bit racist yeah, now episodes of the muppets <laughs> yeah. with smoking yeah. in it have, have that sort of stuff so. he hasn't really been on uk television 
a lot and and most of that sort of you know, more recently and it kind of came to an end this is comedy central's roast battle when Catherine mm. ryan maybe sort of held him to task though we didn't really see it on on the tv it didn't really make the edit um uh you, there's a lot of discussion about the fact that his sort of pivot to being a kind of right-wing anti-vax commentator was him thinking a little bit about all this this stuff coming out does that kind of give him too much credit I think what happens in these situations a lot more is that the potential avenues they have to maintain a career narrow off, they mm. get choked. So um, what you end up with is if you feel like you can't get a break on television anymore, you set this up, you become the sort of owner of your own brand, no pun intended, mm. um, and then you're much more inoculated from uh any sort of external forces, any external producer or or a story breaking that will uh, can take your audience away from you, basically. So I feel like it's not so much foresight as a an inevitable consequence of burning so many bridges in various places. I mean, one of the one of the reasons these stories keep happening and why they take so long to come out, I think, is because of the fragmented way that a lot of media works. There's a lot of freelancers operating within uh, production companies you know broadcasters have their own uh, people in-house and you know as we've seen with a, a few other high-profile uh, presenters who have uh, been the focus of these stories one who was arrested a few months ago um, you know they've, they've made quite good livings for themselves moving from doing work in voiceover doing work in theater doing work in publishing doing work in, you know you mm. can just you can jump from place to place and because everybody working there um you know there's a lot of people on freelance contracts or who don't want to rock the boat or end up being penalized for speaking mm. out and then that causing them other repercussions in there great people can you know whispers can start people think this is maybe not a great person to employ but nothing formal happens so that one individual company stops employing them, and they're, but they're then free to go and work somewhere else. And it's only until you reach a sort of critical mass of places where they burnt bridges that enough people start talking to each other. And sometimes, you know, the the, the network of the gossip mm. network that, that sort of a lot of this relies upon takes 10, 15 years for someone who worked in a place to cross paths with someone else who worked in a place and say, oh, that happened to me or... I know and, someone that did that. And also when you know you've got when there's been other whistleblowers that becomes encouraging for other people to step forward, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the, yes. I mean, I think one of the big problems is that people feel very exposed that, that they might be the only one that mm. bears the brunt of this mm. and they become the face of this story mm. and that's a terrifying thought. I mean, Charlotte, I mean, also there's a lot of legal worries, aren't there, to bring some of this stuff up with people who have very deep pockets. I, I liked how the Times um, had like two solid paragraphs quite high up their story, just like laying out all of the things they'd had to do to bring the story to publication and kind of make that point that, you know, this wasn't just like a, a thing we've knocked up in a month. Mm. Um, it really is four years of work. Um, and... Yeah, it's scary. I mean, Catherine Ryan, you've already mentioned her. When she was interviewed um, by Louis Theroux and kind of alluded to it, she did make the point of, you know, the person she's talking about has deep pockets and and um, may well want to, you know, take legal action if she said anything. And, and obviously the same applies for publishers. And during a kind of economic tough times, publishers, broadcasters aren't going to be taking risks that unnecessary risks but they all have amazing lawyers um i enjoyed seeing um the times's um legal director i think kind of 
credited by some of the journalists because <laughs> and, and it shows how much the lawyers um have an input in these types of stories and really help them to publication so it's really valuable I mean, Chris, you can understand when the public get annoyed by this. I was looking at some of the comments on Twitter about about Russell Brand, and there's a lot that say, "If you've known about this all along, why is why it taking so long to, for it to come out?" Uh, I mean, you can see why this kind of also plays into the sort of "don't trust the media" side. Mm-hmm. It's a real benfire of <laughs> of conflicting factors, yeah. right? Because this all of this does sort of then play into uh, a. a a theory of I'm being silenced. You know, this is a conspiracy against me. Um, everybody's which Russell, which Russell's very happy he, to talk about and, and encourage. Yes, absolutely. And he, so, in his statement, he was saying this feels like a coordinated attack. Um, and you know, maybe it does feel like that to him. Mm. Um, so that is, I suppose, in one sense, a truthful statement. However, you know, the fact is, a lot of these journalists work on these stories. You don't really have enough, or you have 60% of the story, Mm. and it's not enough to satisfy your lawyers. So you can't push it over the line. You suddenly find out that there's another organization working on a similar story, maybe have a missing piece that you don't. You can share things. It looks like a coordinated attack. The truth is Mm. that you've both been looking for the same puzzle pieces. Mm. Um, And when you do bolsters you and you can move forward in lockstep but then that yeah that does risk looking like the msm have <laughs> joined forces you know strange bedfellows deciding to unite against a, a bigger enemy well, one of the things i found kind of interesting about this is you know that one of the um uh one of the arguments or the, the defenses of him is like he's building up an audience and it's causing uh you know it's causing the establishment media to get scared like he poses a real threat to them um i was looking at sort of youtube numbers that he was getting and i you know i know rumble is a a sort of separate platform but his youtube numbers really haven't changed a huge amount since the days he was doing the trues and that ed miliband Mm, um interview i remember when that was happening around that time it's gone up since but got about half a million views 550 thousand views mm. and that seems to be the kind of rough average that he's getting these days i'm sure the audience is completely different i don't think he's mm. red pilled an entire bunch of <laughs> you know miller miller bay fans um but you know i it doesn't seem like he poses any more of a threat to establishment media than he did eight years ago but that you know everyone was saying that he posed a great threat to the media then too so I mean, it's always amusing. That's it takes. it's always amusing when people think there's some great big conspiracy these people have never worked in a newsroom where as someone said on twitter we can't get the printer to work let alone coordinate a secret uh cabal of of all these stories it just would never happen would it no way i mean <laughs> the christmas rotor the you know news and features accidentally doing the same story it's it absolutely wouldn't happen uh, unfortunately, we are just MSM, so people will just assume this is yeah. part of the conspiracy. And actually, all of you listening at home, you're part of the MSM <laughs> as well, if you listen to the media podcast. Um, some industry folk who are having an atta uh, this week in Cambridge uh, were there for the RTS conference. Um, I caught up with uh, freelance writer Kate Bulkley, uh, fresh from the conference at a train station, to find out exactly what the reaction's been. Actually, it was really great. Channel 4 produced it, and uh, it was a great lineup of speakers. Uh, obviously, we got a bit um, derailed at the beginning by Russell Brand in the sense that everyone had to make a statement about that. But uh, we got through that, um, including my interview with Tim Davey and Preston DG of the BBC, and he talked about how when you look at something like Tim Brand, you have to think about not just process for how to get people to do complaints correctly or uh, the ability to have a complaint system, but also about culture. And that, of course, takes leadership. And 
when I asked him, uh, you know, are you ruling out an external review? Because they've already announced an internal review. He didn't rule that out. So I think that they're, they're taking this very seriously, as, as is ITV, as is Channel 4, which has launched their own investigation into this, as has uh, the now, now owner of Endemol, Banerjee. Uh, so, you know... We'll see more on Everyone's sort of in the same boat, aren't they, broadcaster-wise? They've all got some brand exposure. Yeah, brand exposure. That's good, Matt. Uh, exactly. And, you know, should more have been done at the time? Tip Davey said, you know, at the time we were talking about Soxgate, remember Andrew mm-hmm. Sachs? And uh, we did a proper process through that. Uh, and that's why Russell resigned. And also why Leslie Douglas, who was the controller of Radio 2 at that point resigned. Should they have looked more at the time into these other allegations that seem to be an open secret that we've heard, obviously, from the Times and the Channel 4 dispatches investigations now? Probably, but um, as he said to me on stage, I was only there a month uh, as the head of radio at that point in audio, uh, and we did the process properly that we had in front of us, and that's where, that's where we are. So, uh, so um, obviously, that dominated a little bit. Uh, what else was the, 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 core, the, the core talking point? So I think like TV Festival, lots came up about um, uh, jobs, particularly in, in factual. Um, what, were, what was the key stories, uh, RTS? Well, remember, this is more kind of big strategic uh, session. So obviously, we had the Secretary of State come and give a, a, a very nice speech. I tell you, I'm very relieved that we have Lucy Fraser, who is actually a knowledgeable Secretary of State, um, she talked about how to maximize the potential in the media industry. She talked about growing the creative industries in this country to you know, by 50 billion by 2030. She talked about a pipeline of talent supporting that. She talked about a million new jobs. So clearly, she's got the. She knows that this is an important part of the economy. The government knows it's an important part of the economy. And of course, the question that the industry wants is, what are we doing on the media bill? How important is due prominence? It's very important. It's going to be part of the media bill. She definitely said that. Um, And now uh, the DCMS is going to be looking into the future of TV distribution, which, of course, is a very big topic because, of course, how TV is distributed is becoming more and more online. How do we regulate that if we can? And she's also going to be looking into AI. So I think those are all good things. I I think most of us were fairly um, happy about the position of government uh, one thing that was funny was Carolyn McCall, who of course runs ITV, was asked about, you know, how's the advertising business going? And of course, it's not going very well. And it doesn't look like we're going to have a bump up in advertising as had been predicted earlier in the year, which is bad, of course, if you're a commercial broadcaster. And so Caroline said, what the government needs to do is fix the economy. <laughs> <laughs> so that got that got a little bit of a uh, emotion around it but I'm not sure anyway so she she said fix the economy and all boats will rise and there seems to be quite a bit of AI discussion yes AI was brought up quite a few places in the conference but there was a particularly good session about how some of this AI generative AI which of course is different than machine learning generative AI is AI that actually learns and can, is computing so fast it's the chat GPT and VOD all those um we had a really interesting session where they actually replaced the face of a presenter onto Alex Mahon, who's the, of course, the CEO of Channel 4, live on stage. And it was very realistic. I mean, scarily realistic. So this is the same company that worked on, for example, the, the Tom Cruise fake that many people have seen. So it's that kind of technology. But the issues that they talked about, of course, are, is it scary or is it a good thing? And of course, 
it's a good thing in the sense that it's going to make some mundane jobs in terms of production, in terms of uh, in news, you know, sort of what I would call mundane news uh, stories, you know, sports scores. You don't mm-hmm. have to have a live person doing that. You know, metadata inputting. You don't have to have a, a, a human do that. That so those are kind of things that are going to be great. On the other side, it's like how fast this is developing. What is it going to be able to do, and where is it going to take us, both creatively and also as a let's say a disruptor to how we've been doing creativity so far. And of course, depending on who you talk to, you get different views on the good or goodness or badness of that. If I can use that, goodness and badness, but. The thing we have to focus on is the data, because if we don't own our own data, and I'm not talking about you and me, Matt, but I'm talking about actors, mm. writers, anybody who's creating something, that's going to be a problem because all this data is going to be sucked up by the system. It's going to learn from our data. It's going to be able to exploit our data, our images, our voice, our acting, whatever it is. And so that's something that needs to get sort of sorted out pretty quickly. I'm not sure who's going to do that, but um, it's certainly something that, that I came away with that we need to figure out how to do that. So it's not just about is it a good or bad thing for creativity. It's about what do we do about the data. And finally, just before you go, before we let you jump on a train, um, uh, the news broke of Rupert Murdoch sort of semi-stepping back to be chairman emeritus of Fox News and News Corp. Did that cause a little ruffle in the in the room when uh, when his uh, email went out? Yes, it did actually. It's interesting you said that because of course we were all sitting in a session with James Corden, <laughs> who has come back to the UK, you know, after his uh, eight year run um, in the US, uh, and he was talking about what he's going to do next or what he's not doing anything right now next because he's basically trying to get his kids in school and get reacquainted with the UK. And suddenly everybody's phone started pinging, <laughs> and the news came across that Rupert Murdoch is going to stand down and become uh, chairman emeritus and Lachlan, his son, will take over both companies. I mean, that is a very long run that he's had. Um, I mean, as long as I've been reporting on media, I've been covering him. I think his influence is over six or seven decades, if you think about it. It's a real changing of the guard. It's, an, it's one of those interesting moments. And notice that they are announcing it on a day just just before the weekend coverage. So I think there'll be a lot of Murdoch stories coming up. Uh, thanks, Kate, for joining us. And we'll see you in the studio soon. You're welcome. That was Kate Bulkley. We'll be back with more after this short break. If you're up for more on Rupert Murdoch, including a very spicy anecdote about saving Rupert Murdoch's life, uh, go no further than the latest episode of The Two Mats. Uh, You might remember we had hosts Matt Kelly and Matthew Dancona on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, So go uh, download their podcast uh, from The New European. It's called The Two Mats. There's a link in the show notes. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. 
From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And Chris and Charlotte are back with me. Uh, and it's back to the local media crisis. No, not in radio this time. Uh, instead, it's the press. Uh, journalists at National World Titles uh, were on strike today. That's Friday. Uh, the second of three days of industrial action. Uh, what's been going on? So it's basically overpay. Um, and what are the National World Titles, if people are uh, not sure? Yes, so um, National World um, used to be, once upon a time, Johnson Press, then JPI Media, then a couple of years ago it was bought by David Montgomery, who used to be the boss of like Local World and some of the uh, Trinity Mirror, which is now Reach. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. There, Easy, there, yeah. There will be a print-off PDF <laughs> if we need to track all of this. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but... Um, some of the titles they own, um, like The Scotsman, Yorkshire Post, Yorkshire Evening Post, Sheffield Star, Portsmouth News, um, that sort of thing. So now you're up to speed. <laughs> um, they had a, I think it was a 4.5% pay offer, which um, is obviously below inflation. So the union, the NUJ, were not happy about that. And National World have basically said, we can't give you any more or we'll threaten the business if we give you any more. And they said that's not good enough. So, yeah, as you say, on the day this comes out, they'll be on their second day of strike. And between the strike dates, they're also doing the work to rule, um, you know, not working beyond your contract or sort of um, unpaid overtime, etc. which yeah, about in, half, in that, local that's sort of half the output. Uh, exactly. <laughs> in local news, that's that's standard pretty much. Um, something across the board now, really, um, in terms of, pay and unsatisfaction i mean um this time a year ago um reach which is the um biggest local publisher in the uk um had a strike again that was overpay they did resolve it um this year there was um like uh, the nuj kind of reluctantly accepted um the pay offer that they got given um but they did kind of vocally make the point that they didn't love it mm. um and and the national world as well there have been redundancies the past few months um so, yeah, there's a bit of unsatisfaction at the moment. There was even a vote of no confidence in David Montgomery. The He's never been a boss. loved figure, has he? No. I mean, um, Private Eye is quite a not very nice nickname for him. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's all it's all just a bit. Um, it's not a very nice time. Is it, I mean, is it a national world particular problem? Because like News Quest's sort of revenues have been up recently, haven't they? Is it, is it a company and where they operate or is it just how their business is run it's definitely across the board at least a bit in terms of none of them pay isn't crazy high Mm. although i think some of them have been putting it up more than others the nuj did criticize news quest for how much it pays its um bbc funded local democracy reporters but news quest kind of hit back and said well we do need to cover our kind of employment costs as Mm. well we can't give them all the money so and then other publishers um, actually kind of also said, yeah, that's a fair point from NewsQuest, actually. Mm. It is something going on. I think, yeah, National World is kind of just the current flashpoint, I would say. Let's go over to the media quiz. This week it's entitled The Numbers. I'm going to give you a number 
All you have to do is tell me the story behind that number. Ooh. So buzz in with your name if you know the answer. So Charlotte, you'll say. Charlotte. And Chris, you'll say. Chris. Uh, here we go. Uh, first number, 100. Charlotte. Charlotte. What is 100? The Radio Times. Correct. Uh, this is it celebrating 100 years of being uh, the Bradshaw of broadcasting, which apparently is some cricket reference. Anyone? Oh, no. I'm my no. moment to carry Bradshaw. <laughs> <laughs> if only. I, Radio Times has changed a lot since I was uh, scaring uh, it. It's kind time. of remarkable it's still going in a, in a sort of online world, isn't it? I mean, it's, still a, it's, it's the most profitable part, I think, of a media. Yeah, it's pretty cool, though, because... Um, you think print magazine, no one's buying it anymore. And yes, the newsstand sales have gone down a lot, but um, the past few years they've been building the subscriptions. So you're getting people who think, well, I do still enjoy the tradition of sitting down one day a week, going through, planning what I might watch next week. And I guess it is kind of that escape from online. And obviously they do have a website that they've been kind mm. of building. And, um, but it sort of runs separately, doesn't it? It's yeah, sort of... it's, it's surprisingly mm. separate com- compared to like other operations nowadays. But um, they can do stuff with the website that they wouldn't with the magazine. And it does seem to work. And obviously they can share some stuff. Mm. But like the website does gaming, for example, which the magazine doesn't. Um, and the website can be much more like what's on tonight or what's, you know, what do you need to know now rather than the, as I say, the magazine's more about like sitting down and, and it doesn't matter when in the s- stretch of a few days you do it like but you you can take that time and um, I mean there's been a few stories we've done recently about people enjoying a kind of curated experience whether that's print or digital mm. but it, it's just a different experience. It's important I think yeah. I, I mean are the Radio Times t- is specific. Are you Times reader Chris? Uh, not anymore I, but it, Christmas? It, it literally coloured my uh, yeah, I get experience. <laughs> I think I still to this day I'm, I'm probably not going to be very good if you test me on this but <laughs> I feel like I, I associate colours with the days and I think they're the Radio Times oh, so red for the Saturday you've got pink for your uh, Thursday <laughs> kind of tealish turquoisey colour for your Friday you know I really orange for the Monday you know it, it, they've changed I'm sure but um, you know that was the era I was reading and I, I definitely get a sense of that mm. it's really shaped me you know reading Barry Norman's little uh, film just mm-hmm. the kind of little paragraphs on each I think there was a period of time where I, even if I haven't seen the film I'm fairly you know, got a sense of when it came out or how many stars it got. Just sort of information that I absorbed from this. I think it's definitely one of those bits of media, uh, I suppose I was growing up in the sort of 80s, that was like a family media. Like at that time, you had to get both the Radio Times and the TV Times because they didn't have the listings for everything together. Um, so you got the Radio Times for the BBC listings, the TV Times for ITV. Um, and yeah, so it's a big part of people's lives. You can see why it still does well. Uh, right, question number two, uh, 50 million. What does that mean? 50 million. It's a tough one. This is the amount of dollars that Rupert Murdoch thought it would cost Fox News in their defamation lawsuit with Dominion. Uh, Can you remember the number that it did actually cost him? God. 875 million, something along those lines? Is it more than that? 780 million, 778. I'll give you the bonus point, Charlotte, for that. It is 787.5 million Ah, dollars. Right. Um, uh, This is from uh, Michael Wolff's new book on Trump. Uh, Do you see any other uh, revelations from the book? Have you seen any any coverage of it? I've read a couple of extracts so far. Um, He does like chilling them out, doesn't he, Michael Wolff? Yeah, yeah, I I've, sort of reached wolf saturation, I, I think. I Yeah, I, I didn't finish the last Trump one I started reading. I mean, he does seem but to get the responses. I mean, there's a little bit of, does he slightly extend the truth, isn't there, on, on some of these things? The extracts I was reading, I was like, 
obviously his sources are incredible but how can he know that every minute detail mm. it's almost like the crown i guess where you know the bones and then you like build a scene around it <laughs> no. um so i i just always leave wondering like i'm sure the gist of this happened but is every word i'm reading dialogue here, right? is yeah yeah, yeah yeah very very particular yeah uh, okay question number three uh this is a ratings question bit of a clue there uh 15 million one five million hard questions this week this is yeah. some ratings in france Oh, uh, Charlotte. Yes. Uh, Rugby World Cup's doing really well. Yes, this is France versus New Zealand. The opener uh, got uh, 15 million uh, viewers. Um, Is men's rugby the new women's football? I mean, I, I did see a story about how the organisers were really surprised at how well the games are doing. And I, when the organisers surprised, yeah. that's yeah. quite the worry. And I honestly don't know what the reason is. Um, I've been watching it because my husband loves it. Um, and so I've watched more than I actually expected. Um but I honestly don't. Do you know why it's higher than expected? I don't, I don't know. know. Rugby fan? No, not in the slightest. <laughs> well, if you do know at home, uh, get in touch. Uh, the media podcast. Uh, right. Um, thanks to you both. Uh, thanks to um, Chris and Charlotte. Uh, where can people keep up with your good work? Uh, Pressgazette.co.uk or I'm still on Twitter slash X at Charlotte Tovit. Uh, Chris? Uh, yeah, if you want to uh, get the Popbitch newsletter, popbitch.com is the best place to sign up for it Thursday afternoons. Uh, thank you both. And that's it from us today at the London Podcast Studios. Next week, we're at the British Podcast Awards, so there's a podcast-shaped hole here in the studio if you want to use it. Uh, plus, you'd get 25% off your first booking if you use the code MEDIAPOD at thelondonpodcaststudios.com. That's MEDIAPOD at thelondonpodcaststudios.com for 25% off. Uh, my name's Matt Deegan. The producer was Matt Hill. It was a Rethink Audio production. I'll see you next week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.